0: dear friends in Christ. In a few moments we're going to be preparing ourselves for Holy Communion by having a moment of corporate confession. And it's important that in our communion services we have that experience each month because it reminds us that we are all on the same level before the cross. Whether we are long-time Christians or whether we're new Christians, we all continue to sin and fall short of God's purpose for our lives as we sin daily. True confession is important because, you see, we want to receive our Lord's body and blood today with a clean heart and and not have those unconfessed sins hanging there inside that would kind of block those benefits that God wants to give us through this sacrament of Holy Communion. And it's the same with our daily confession before God. If we don't make sincere confession a part of our daily prayer life, then we'll never experience, you see, the cleansing power of Christ's forgiveness and the joy that that can bring. So let's talk about what true and sincere confession is this morning. and We need to do that once in a while because we realize that many confessions that we hear from our own lips and from the lips of others are not always so sincere. Sometimes they don't quite make it. Some stories lack impact. We remember back when Bill Clinton faced the nation after the Monica Lewinsky scandal, and he said, I misled people. I deeply regret that. And that was it. Janet Jackson was less convincing after the 2004 Super Bowl halftime escapade, saying, I am sorry if I offended anybody. You know, the word if in a confession makes a confession safe rather than humble. We hear those kind of confessions quite often, don't we? And maybe some of you, and I know I have, said these kind of words once in a while. I was wrong. But if you had called me on time, I wouldn't have been late. Or I was at fault. But your words were unkind as well. Or I shouldn't have done that but it just wouldn't have happened if I would have got a good night's sleep. And the ifs go on and on. When we hear a confession that says, I was wrong, if, we're not inclined to forgive those people that share those kind of confessions with us as easily. People are more likely to give us grace if we tell them the honest truth about what happened. Janet Jackson's words would have had much more of an impact if we would have been able to hear her say after that escapade, I know that I have offended many with my foolish behavior, and I am sorry. That was a whole different kind of confession if she would have said those words. Yes, excuses cheapen the value and dilute the impact of a confession When apology sounds like damage control, it lacks conviction, you see. Many feel that ex-Congressman Anthony Weiner's press conference recently was that type of damage control. You see, part of a true confession, a sincere confession, includes the desire not to continue in that same sin. And when we found out that his inappropriate behavior continued after his previous confession, then you wonder about the sincerity of his apology in the first place. Of course, often we include excuses in our confessions because we don't want to look bad. But the more we try to cover up our sins, the less we experience God's covering of forgiveness Proverbs 28, as you see here, says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The 1970 movie Love Story included this unbelievable line, Love means never having to say you're sorry. Many of you remember that. nothing, nothing could be farther than the truth of that statement. Why is it so hard to say, I'm sorry? Well, we feel people will think less of us, of course, if we're honest with them and confess our sins to them. But many times, vulnerability gives others the permission to share their struggles and their sins as well. It's a first step. But if we try to cover up these things, then other people don't have the chance to be honest with us either. Someone has said people appreciate integrity more than impeccability or perfection, we could say. Acknowledging guilt may mean we lose something, but paying the price of truth allows us to live with the person inside of us. And John in 1 John 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Not to be honest about our sins just kind of makes us continue to live in bondage, so to speak. King David was one who learned the freedom that true confession can bring. In our scripture today, he has just been confronted by the prophet Nathan for his act of adultery with Bathsheba. But instead of trying to make excuses or cover it up in any way, we hear those words that Terry read for us this morning, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't cover it up. He said it like it was. He had sinned, and that was it. A similar spirit of confession came from the lips of the prodigal son. We Remember that story. When he came back after wasting his father's money on immoral living, he came back home. And what did he say? Well, if you wouldn't have been such a bad father, I wouldn't have done this. Did he say that type of thing or make some excuses for his behavior. No, he didn't. We remember those words Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. He was willing to lose his position in the family in order to receive his father's forgiveness. That's how much it meant to him. And so his confession was honest. And true. What happens then when we make full confession and sincere confession? First John 1 9 reminds us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God. If we confess, he will cleanse us. David asked for that when he said, Lord, blot out, blot out my transgressions and wash away my iniquity. You know, when we share a true confession, grace is released. God can even use our failures for good if we let him do that. But if we are bound up in thinking that we can't be honest about our sins, we'll never experience that freedom and joy. Our example of humility can even encourage an atmosphere of confession and can heal broken relationships at times as well. Well, how do you know when you've made a sincere confession? It's when you stop defending yourself and experience the Lord's cleansing when we go through that process and know in our hearts that we have been forgiven, we know that God has received our confession. Pastor Paul Anderson writes, he says, confessing is not giving a reason why we messed up, implicating others in the sin, or acknowledging that someone should have done something differently. He says, confessing means taking full responsibility for what I have done without excuse, without explanation. How many times have we wanted to say that to uh, one of our kids or our spouse? Just say you're sorry and don't make any excuses. Well, we can always fake confessions, but God knows what's going on in the inside. A proper confession profession, hopefully reflects what's going on inside of our lives, in our own hearts. David asks of the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So don't just say sorry, include what you did, and how it impacted the other person, and how you are praying that God would help you change so you don't continue doing the same sin that hurts people around you. Recently, I heard a story of confession and forgiveness that Tim Wildman wrote about in one of his articles concerning something that happened on the golf course, in fact, the British Open, to a a golfer named Ian Woosman. It happened a few years ago. Wooseman, was playing there in the British Open. And he had been on what one newspaper said a, a, dull, a downhill slide in his career. But here he was, atop the leaderboard, tied for the lead with four other players, going into the last day of the British Open. This probably would have been his Last opportunity, the newspaper said, to win another major golf championship. And the newspaper account of that final day went like this. Ian Woosman was pumped up as he stood on the second tee. After nearly making a hole-in-one, he was leading in the final round of the British Open. Bending over to tee his ball up, He straightened up to his full five-foot-four height and turned to his caddy, Miles Byrne, for a club. Instead, he got the shock of his golfing life. You're going to be ballistic, his caddy told him. Why, said Woosman. You've got two drivers in your bag. Woosman knew immediately what that meant. He had 13 other clubs in his bag, and with two drivers, that made 15, and only 14 clubs were allowed. The two-stroke Pendley, he had to call on himself would knock himself out of the lead. At that moment, Usman said, I felt like someone had knocked me in the teeth. And it happened. When the day was over, Usman did fall four strokes short of the winner, and was left to wonder what maybe would have been the case if this worst mistake in major championship golf history had not occurred. But the responses, the writer says, of these two gentlemen, Woosman and his caddy, Burns, involved here, here, was was captured for many people to think about. First, I expected to read that the caddy, Burns, had found someone or something to blame for his mistake. But instead, the caddy said these words after the British Open was over. You want me to stand here and make excuses? There's no excuse. The buck stops at me. It was my fault. Two-shot penalty. That's the end of the story. Well, how refreshing to see someone take responsibility for his mistake, I thought. But I kept reading the story in the newspaper to find out what Woosman had to say when he fired Byrne, his caddy. Surely he would say that he was a stupid guy and 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 uh, it cost w- him himself the last chance to win a major championship. He would have been justified, the newspaper said, in the eye of almost... Eyes of almost everybody, because everybody who followed the tournament knew about that fatal blow. To my surprise, Woosman said these words about his caddy. It's the biggest mistake he will probably ever make in his life. He won't do it again. He's a good caddy. He will have a severe talking to when I get him in the clubhouse But I'm not going to fire him. The story went on to say that the crowd sympathized with Woodsman and rose to their feet and gave him a standing ovation as he and Byrne approached the 18th and final green. True forgiveness usually follows true confession. As Christians were called to confess sincerely and to forgive. David, King David, experienced the joy of true confession and true forgiveness. God wants us today to experience the same. Amen.